0: Hey everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 31st. We're about to head into Labor Day and last night, Atlanta United got worked over by Cincinnati 2 to 1 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was a match. Atlanta United scored first, Edwin Mosquera, with his very first goal as a professional in his 84th appearance uh, across different clubs and different competitions. But that was offset by Luciano Acosta with a, frankly, a a fabulous goal, a fabulously worked goal. He particularly loves to score and assist against Atlanta United from his times at D.C. and then Cincinnati. And then Brandon Vasquez came back to haunt his former team with a tap-in goal off off a cross to give Cincinnati the Supporters Shield leaders a 2-1 victory and snap Atlanta United's two-game winning streak. Atlanta United had been shutting out opponents for 285, I think it was, consecutive minutes before Acosta's goal. It was a game that Atlanta United didn't really feel in control of after about the 30th minute, and we're going to get into that. You're going to hear from uh, Diego de la Torre, who was running the show last night for Atlanta United because Gonzalo Pineda was serving a yellow card suspension. You're going to hear from Caleb Wiley we got a couple of cool call-ins on our number, and I'll share that number with y'all in just a little bit. And we got the traditional emails and Twitter DMs to me at Doug Robertson, AJC on Twitter, or if you want to email me, DRobertson at AJC.com. It should be a good podcast, and if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So let's go through some of the stats from the game last night really quickly before we get into the audio. Jay is running the board for us today. They can't find anyone who wants to stay with this podcast for longer than a couple episodes except for Daniel. And we all know Daniel was on the run from Interpol, and that may have been why. Atlanta United had 58.8% of the possession, which is fine by Cincinnati, because Cincinnati finished with a higher expected goal. It's 1.46 to Atlanta United, 087 Cincinnati had 16 shots to Atlanta United's nine. Atlanta United put just one of its shots on target to Cincinnati's four. It was not a good night for Atlanta United's designated players. A game after setting a franchise record with nine chances created, Tiago Almada only had one. Yergo Shakamakis didn't put a shot on goal. Neither did Saba Lopjenice. Neither did Almada. Just sometimes it happens. Um... And it happened to Atlanta United last night. But that's why Cincinnati is the runaway Supporter Shield leaders and the team that is going to finish with the most points in Major League Soccer and the top seed in the East. So those of you who follow the team know that this was Atlanta United's third game in 11 days. It was the third consecutive match in which the same starting 11 was rolled out. That is a first this season. So I wanted to ask Diego De La Torre if he thought that fatigue – might have been a factor.
2: I don't really think that the first half, we play a very good game. We have control of the game. I think that's what happened. Second half, we lost the control of the game. And we were playing against the first team in the league. They, they were chasing, they were competing. I have to give credit to, to Cincinnati. They, they were a, a very good team. But no, I don't think it's, it happened because of the fitness size.
0: So coaches always take that question about fitness. Uh, sometimes they take it a little personally, like they haven't done enough to get the guys endurance up and things like that. And that's not how I meant the question. It's, you know, I've done this job long enough to be able to pretty quickly recognize if a team looks tired. And a lot of us in the press box thought at Lenny, I did tired. Now in the next soundbite, you're going to hear De, uh, De La Torre talk about it. Lenny, not playing like itself. And it was a response to a question about if Lenny United didn't get the ball to Saba Lopjanice enough.
2: I think we we couldn't find him too much. That that, that I mean that was the problem. Uh, from here, from outside, we were looking that he, he was the a, a very good option to play. But again, we was we were dribbling, we were dribbling, we we were trying to do things that we never do. Then that was that that was the problem we we couldn't find him and then yes maybe he was in his game but i mean he's just with us one week then he's going to he's going to his performance i for sure he's going to impact in the games uh, later or soon
0: you may have guessed that i was building into something uh with my transition into that soundbite and here is the end of what i was building to I've covered a sports long enough to, to know that when a team gets tired, there was a coach at Georgia State, Trent Miles, that would talk about first you lose your 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 mental aspect, then your physical aspect can't do what your brain is trying to tell you to do. And so Atlanta United last night it was playing out of character, and I think it was because mentally they were tired third game in 11 days and when that happens you start to not be yourself you start to not play like yourself and that was partly why I think Atlanta United stopped moving the ball side to side stopped with the one-touch passing stopped with the one-two movements it kind of lost its fluidity and it became a much more vertical team now I thought that was an interesting comment by De La Torre because if you go back and you watch the past two games in the second half of the matches against Seattle and against Nashville, Atlanta United was very vertical. It would get the ball and it would attack, and it worked. It just didn't work against Cincinnati. I don't think it's a bad thing at all when Atlanta United gets vertical. It's something that I've been calling for for a long time. But Cincinnati is built to play that way. They want to play that way. They they'll keep they kept Vasquez and and the other forward up top, high up the field. Because they knew when we get the ball back, speaking as if I were a Cincinnati player or manager, we're going to attack, and we have patterns we like to play. This is a style we'd like to use, and we're going to do it, and we do it well. And Cincinnati did do it well last night, and that's why they won 2-1. to Uh, Now, going to Caleb Wiley, who was kind enough. He was, I think, the last guy in the locker room last night, maybe the second-to-last guy. And he kind of goes into a little bit further about how cincinnati was able to turn this into a transition match
1: they kept a few players up um i don't know if that was vasquez costa um but i think it was you know two or three players that kind of didn't drop back um to defend and they were always just kind of um staying up there which caused us you know to be switched on um and, you know, they're they're good with transition, like he said. Once they get the ball, they're quick. They already have an idea. Um,
0: and so they, they kind of got us on that. Wiley had a fantastic game last night for Atlanta United. He saved the team's bacon a few times, tracking back. He he uh, dispossessed of Vasquez one time when he was coming in for a one-on-one with Guzan. He tracked back again to cut out a cross. Uh, Cincinnati was really focusing – a lot in the second half on trying to get into what Atlanta United calls the primary assist zones, which are the areas near the end line, about 15, 20 yards out from goal and putting balls across the face of the goal. They did it a few times in the first half and really worked it hard in the second half. And it paid off with Vasquez's goal. Um, When we come back, we got your calls. We got your questions. This is Southern fried soccer from the Atlanta journal constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach.
1: An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. And I keep stressing, you have to do this today. If you're driving, you know, pull over, get on your smartphone, if you want to get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents, that's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And I'm going to say it one more time so that Jay doesn't beat me mercilessly the next time he sees me. Subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. But you have to do it today, right now. You can do this. You can go buy some flex tape from that guy you see on TV. All these special sales that that happen they're only good today. August 31st. Okay. So please subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts if you want to know what's really going on. And really, in all seriousness, you should. We're doing fantastic work with the Fulton County investigations of defendant Donald Trump. We got the Georgia Bulldogs season about to start. We got Georgia Tech season about to start. Big, big seasons for both clubs. Got the Falcons season about to start. The Hawks will be uh, hitting training camp soon. I believe the Braves are setting record after record after record. we got fantastic coverage and podcasts for all of that. Subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. On to the mailbag. 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. I keep encouraging you to erase all of your contacts and only put that one in. Just, you know, if you want to call and leave a message for somebody, we'll relay that message to your friend. 404-526-2527. Jay needs more to do. So fill up the voicemails. Here's Doug from the Old Fourth Ward.
1: Just leaving the bins. Appreciate all you do for uh, all of us Dougs out here. Two quick questions. One, the uh, team was a little tired tonight and in a stretch of a lot of games. I'm wondering if
0: you've offered the Doug coffee to the team. Maybe be a pick-me-up. Second question, Pineda out tonight on accumulated Yellows. How much of a difference do you really think it makes uh, Pineda or any uh, manager not being on the sideline for a situation
1: like that? Look like the substitution patterns were about the same that they have been to me, but I'm curious what you think. Thanks.
0: Hey Doug. And yes, us Dougs are freaking awesome. Uh working backward in your questions, I think that Atlanta United probably looking back on it will regret maybe not using a few subs earlier. I thought Saba would come on to start the second half. Mosquera, despite scoring the goal, did not have a good first half. He had his first touch was just off, but so was Urugosis throughout the night. Um, and I think they only use three of the five subs, which is a little odd to me, especially considering they have another game coming up on Saturday. Um, as for Pineda not being on the sideline, there is proven math. Sam Jones has written about this, uh, when he was with the striker and others have written that managers don't really influence games that much. They they don't account for a whole lot of, of direct win loss things, um, I'm sure the team, it might have made the team more comfortable to have Panade on the sideline, and so that can affect win-losses. Uh, but I thought De La Torre did, did a, a pretty good job, all things considered, considering the quality of the opponent and, and what was at stake. Uh, yes, I have offered Doug Coffee to Atlanta United, but they wanted to pay me in allocation money, and we all know that that's just silliness, and so I want to no know part of it. All I want is Bitcoin. Give me real money. On to Brett from Eastlake. I
1: wanted to ask you about the inverted fullbacks. What exactly tactically
0: is the attacking side getting out of doing this? You know, I'm I don't know enough to be for it or against it. I'm just I'm curious what specifically
1: the attacking side, what advantage they think they're gaining by doing it. And more importantly,
0: how do you think our guys, Caleb and Brooks, they're how do you think are it fits their still? All right, appreciate it, Doug. Have a good one. Thanks, Brett, from East Lake. I hope your neighborhood is back to normal after the tour championship is, has left. But I guess now you got to deal with all the sound of them tearing up the golf course as they rebuild it uh, more in the style of, I think, uh, Donald Ross. I can't remember who designed it. But anyway, back to its original style. So inverted fullbacks, um, they can be used to kind of provide more numbers in the attack, particularly in the uh, the middle channels. The If you divide a field, let's say, into fifths, into the uh, the second and the fourth or the depending on left or right. The second and fourth channels give Tiago, in Atlanta United's case, a little more to play off of, can build a triangle with whoever is on the right wing and the left wing. Uh, it can build a triangle with Yorgos to kind of disrupt the opponent. It gives the defenders another player that they have to try to mark. So, you know, they have to choose, do I want to get closer to the inverted fullback or do, or do I stay a little bit closer to the winger? Um, Atlanta United, now that they have a right-footed, they have a right-footed fullback in Lennon, a left-footed fullback in Wiley. They can either play as natural fullbacks and stay wide, kind of hug the lines and put crosses in, or they could come inside. You saw Lennon, particularly in the first half, uh, kind of get into the middle of the field. He's been doing that a lot in the past two matches. He's He's been given a license by Pineda to read the match, and if he sees spaces that he can exploit to go ahead and attack, he's fast enough that he can get back and cover his defensive responsibilities, and Mayumba is smart enough. Or was that too, to see that if Lennon is high up the field, to make sure that someone is paying attention to that vacated space that he should be defending. So that's the idea. Um, it didn't happen so much in the second half because Cincinnati had it was trying to. Entice Atlanta United to attack so that he could then go in transition and attack. Um, but that's the idea, and it's worked well. The previous two matches, it didn't work as well last night, but that's not to say that that it it didn't have moments of effectiveness. And finally, we have a two parter from David in Piedmont Park.
1: Two questions if you don't mind. First one is you mentioned on the last pod that Husek was playing so well as a kind of non-six along with Mayumba. and I want to know your thoughts on what if we did have more of a traditional six along with Mayumba's skill set. And let's go ahead and say it. What if it was Ibarra, um, who was playing a little bit more competitive salary than uh debtors? The second question is, what does it mean by saying uh, a game is a six-pointer? I don't understand it. I keep hearing it from a lot of different pods. Uh, All right, man.
0: Cool pod. Okay, uh, so again, answering your questions backward, it's a six-pointer because Cincinnati is beating everybody this year. So if you get three points from Cincinnati, not only does the team, Atlanta United, for example, would have won three points, but it's almost like you're also taking three points away from opponents because they're going to lose. That's why it's considered a six-pointer. That's kind of the, the mental math on that one. Um and your first question, I thought Huzeto, again, had a good game last night. Um, he, he's really moving the ball around well in tight spaces, and he's moving the ball forward, uh, which has always been the criticism of him in the past. Abara, uh, I know a lot of y'all love Abara. I thought he had a good start to the season. Abara um, is limited. He's not very fast. He's not going to get forward very well. He's a decent passer. I don't think he might be as good as what we've seen from Hazetu in the past few games. Um, Would Atlanta United be better with a more traditional six? Yeah, I guess. Uh, But I think Hazetu and Miyamba have formed a pretty good partnership. I think Atlanta United is probably going to try to go out and get a more traditional six uh, next season. No, I don't think it'll be a DP because I don't think you spend DP money on sixes. I don't really rate sixes as highly as other people do in terms of the importance on the field. If you go up the middle of a formation, I would much rather have a goal scorer and a goal stopper. I would much rather have an attacking playmaker. I would much rather have a center back that I can count on to defend and attack set pieces before I would pick a six. Um, And David, you might be a neighbor of mine since we're both near Piedmont Park. As always, guys, I appreciate the questions. 404-526-2527. Fill up the voicemail. Let's make Jay's life difficult. Now, on to the traditional males. Grant and John asked similar questions. Grant, who tried to teach me how to play guitar, it didn't take, but Grant, you're not the first person to fail to teach me how to play a musical instrument. I have no aptitude, all the desire, but absolutely no aptitude. He says, first, Petticoat Junction. I know how much you love your television shows. That was a great one alongside Green Acres, of course. Yeah, those were pretty good shows. I've been watching a lot of M.A.S.H. lately and have determined that Hawkeye might be the most... Insufferable character in television history. Really can't stand the guy. Anyway, Grant says, A little bit of a silly question, but as a former high school teacher who monitored hundreds of tests in the era of the smartphone, I had to always watch that no one was cheating or texting a buddy for an answer. So I am wondering who polices a suspended coach during the match so they can't communicate with their pitch side staff, or is it just an honor system? Also intriguing is that Pineda appeared to be in an isolated and dark area for viewing the game. Is that part of the suspension rule also? P.S. I admire Pineda for wearing his Anton Walks armband up there in his timeout suite. Yeah, it was a little bit weird that Pineda was in like a dark and sweet watching the match. I, I don't know if that's what he preferred or, or maybe if uh, the light bulb blew and he didn't know who to call on maintenance to come and, and turn it back on. Uh, I think it's more of an honor system. I guess there's a penalty if there is communication between uh pineda and the assistants what was funny is last week uh if you watched the man city game all the assistant coaches had these earpieces in because i assume Guardiola from wherever he was he had back surgery i think was giving them advice i guess that's allowed because he wasn't technically suspended for yellow cards he was just missing voluntarily because of a medical procedure but no i don't think that uh coaches can communicate with the players, I assume that there is some sort of monitoring of that by the fourth official and the referee, and that there is punishment should one be caught doing that. Pat asks or says, Tough match, but good lessons last night. I really felt this is Pat talking. I wrote we really felt we let the defense left the defense exposed by being overly eager to be on the front foot when we attacked in the second half. That's exactly what everybody else said, too, Pat. With our new speed in the mix, it is hard not to race forward, but it seemed the gap in the midfield grew throughout the second half, often with four to five of our players stuck forward behind the play when Cincinnati countered. Good analysis. Our defense played well, but can only absorb so much pressure. Going forward, it will be interesting to see if there will be more balance in the starting 11 like Sadich or Wolf. Uh, yeah, I think you might see both of those guys uh, on Saturday at Dallas. You can't. I know the team has a break coming up, but you can't risk injury. You can't risk you know, ruining what remains of the season by stretching these guys for yet another game. They're third in eight days. It's going to be 97 degrees at kickoff. There, the it's going to be a hot wind. I've been to Frisco one time. It was a miserable experience. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for the players. Pat continues regarding the officiating. It felt very inconsistent from the stands last night. An equal offense would get a yellow card for us, and a stern talking to or no call for Cincinnati. Unfortunately, the only questionable call shown on the highlights was the hold on Almada that led to the second goal. Do you see it any differently, or have a chance to rewatch the match? Safe travels if you're heading to Dallas. Uh, I don't. It has to be a pretty egregious error for me to think that officiating influenced the game. I don't really think it influenced the game last night. Um, There was a possible handball against a Cincinnati player, uh, but that VAR reviewed it and said no handball. The rest of the game, I I don't know. I thought it was pretty evenly called. I didn't really think it was was too egregious from uh, Armando Villarreal. Safe travels if you're heading to Dallas, Pat says. I am not heading to Dallas. Uh, Gabe Burns is going to pitch in for me on Friday and Saturday. I have a annual Labor Day retreat with some college friends of mine where we sit around and drink Coca-Colas and solve all the world problems. Chris says, you suggested Atlanta United might start the younger players in Dallas and play to a one-point draw, but wouldn't it be best to start our best players and try to get three points against a lower ranked team, knowing that we have intra Miami since he left on the schedule, especially since we have a two week break after the Dallas match. Well, uh, you know, I understand the thinking. I just, if you start the same 11 or nine of the same 11 for the third time in eight days, again, in that heat, in what a hot wind that's going to be blowing um, you risk injury, you you risk really derailing what's left. Uh, now, I think he's going to mix up the starting lineup. I know Pineda doesn't like to, but he also is very mindful of uh, fatigue and conditioning and things like that. Start the young players and, and see what happens, or less experienced players and see what happens. It would still be a pretty good lineup. Um, you know, still one that could attack. But that's what I think they'll do. On to Ben, friend of the podcast, who says during last night's broadcast, Kevin Egan mentioned that Atlanta has a plus 25 goal differential and it's 11 wins this season. This stat is very telling that Atlanta does not win close games very often. Even if Atlanta finishes top four, I'm not optimistic that they can advance since winning close games is needed in the playoffs. Is this a game model issue or a mental issue for the team? As always, I appreciate your coverage and enjoy your coffee. Uh, I've never really thought about this, but it's an interesting question. Cincinnati, for example, has 12 one goal wins this season. They know how to grind out a result. Atlanta, I I really don't know. I don't know if they can or they can't. They couldn't last night, Um, obviously, losing 2-1. to They have come back and rallied to win some games. Um, Yeah, let me think about that, Ben. That's a really good question. Eric, friend of mine, friend of the podcast, says, as much as that result stung, you could see it coming. I don't know if the final stats agree, but Cincinnati looked like the superior team, especially in the second half. They have more talent and better finishers, and just as importantly, they were more disciplined. Regardless, I believe you mentioned in a previous pod that you thought Atlanta might rest some starters against Dallas. Yes, I've answered this one, but I want to get into your point about you could see it coming. You could see it coming. Um, I remember tweeting in the first half of last night's game, something seems off with Atlanta United's press. It seemed a little disjointed. It wasn't as cohesive. Cincinnati was playing through it uh, when it had the ball pretty Not easily, but it it wasn't difficult for them. Um, They had a couple of good chances in the first half they couldn't take advantage of. Atlanta blocked a few shots. Uh, Guzan had a good save. Um, Well, that good save came in the second half. Uh, But, yeah, you could tell Cincinnati was like, okay, we we know how to to beat this team. It's just a matter of, of doing it. And I think, again, that's where the fatigue may have played a factor for Atlanta United. When you're not... Mentally sharp, it's tough to be physically sharp. On to Adam, who says Atlanta let this match slowly get away. No doubt a lot of it was the fine play of Cincy, but a lot to be a lot looked to be simple fatigue, both physical and mental. I'm not sure what they did the past couple of days, but they just looked gassed from about 25 minutes on. I wonder if maybe more player rotation wasn't in order since so many guys played a full 90. Yep, I, I agree with you, Adam. Strategy wise, I think Atlanta played too many long balls. If there's a stat for the completion rate of those efforts, I'd love to see it and to see if tonight's rate was as bad as it felt. Put simply, a lot of lax decision-making led to turnovers, and Cincinnati is good enough to make you pay for those mistakes the way they attacked. When they pressed against a frustrated stripe side, it simply compounded the struggles. The ref was subpar, but fair play to Cincy. They earned it, and Atlanta still has work to do. So there is, um, there's a website called FB Ref, dot uh, com you can go in and type in atlanta united in the search engine and if you go into passing they have um stats for almost everything uh, i don't know if last night's game stats are in but if you wanted to go look at that you could see what the completion rate for the long ball passing was it's a very in-depth website so sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to find what you're looking for because there is so much information um FBref ref does not honor secondary assists. So if you're looking at like player stats and you say, well, I know that Almada has more assists than it says that's why, because it doesn't honor the secondary uh, assist. So I'm trying to look up really quickly. If you hit passing and then you look at short, medium, long completion, it can tell you uh, per match what the team's rate was. So, There you go. Now we're going to switch. Uh, We don't really have a question of the week, but I wanted to give you all a chance to respond to a little jibe I made at the end of the previous podcast about how come all the people who've complained about Carlos Bocanegra and Gonzalo Pineda before the two-match winning streak aren't saying anything now. And some of you were kind enough to respond, and I wanted to give a chance to read some of those comments. Uh, uh, one of the, one of these may not be read because, um, I had these on a document and the document was inadvertently erased. So I went back and tried to find them. So if you sent me a comment and it's not on on here, I apologize. Starting with Derek, who says, as always, I love the podcast and AJC coverage. I'm indifferent to Bocanegra. I've never, called, I've never called for his release or his retention. However, in the post-Nashville podcast, you noted that doubters should be praising him for the new signings, which brings up my question. Since the Garth Loggerway hiring, a lot of, quote, dead money had to be shed, revived, selected roster spots. Roster spot types had to be obtained as well as an analytics program installed. Is it really deserved praised if the new boss had to clean up a mess you seemingly made? Thanks again for your efforts. Appreciate the up-to-date information. So now this is an interesting point because you're giving Garth credit for certain things, but not blaming Eels for the past things, because that would be the equivalency of the positions. Garth is now the president. Darren Eels was the president. Carlos was acting on Darren Eel's instructions or with his blessing previously. Now he's doing so with Garth's blessing. Um, Atlanta United has always had a way to do statistical modeling, but now it's doing more. And how it works, I asked for a 30,000-foot viewpoint. The people that Atlanta United is working with will scout players and give Atlanta United a list based upon what Atlanta United says it needs position-wise. And Atlanta United will scout They compare their list of players. When the players kind of match, they say, okay, let's consider this one, and they'll do a deeper dive. So that's kind of basically how it works. Um, So anyway, yeah, good question, Derek. On to Randy, who says, I sent you an email about what a terrible manager Gonzalo Pineda is, and while I still suspect he tends to be stubborn at times, what coach isn't? I cannot but give credit to him and the team for the improvement in play these past couple of games. The new signings have been a wonderful addition. I especially am glad for the arrival of Tristan Muyumba as it has been a while since Atlanta has had a true box-to-box midfielder, a guy who can possess the ball well and break the opponent's lines. The new wingers are also great and give the team great speed on the break. I did notice that the team seemed the best when holding a mid or deep block and game plan directly on the break with Almada directing the play. Anyway, here I am for a public pillaring and humiliation I am that guy. (laughs) He says he hopes he is wrong in the future as well. Well, thank you, Randy. I always appreciate when someone puts up their hand and says I was wrong. I've done it many, many times and I'll sure I'll end up doing it many more. Nick says, Hey, Doug, despite the loss, I actually want to give Carlos Bocanegra the credit he deserves after the Gutman trade and a bar debacle. Again, it's not a, I guess you can call it a debacle, but there's a really good reason. And, Maybe one day I'll get to tell you what it was. Bocanegra said to wait and see the plan at the end of the window. There's no denying that the team is in much better shape. Mayumba and Silva have been great, and Saba should get there with more time. Thanks, as always, for the coverage. There you go, Nick. Tom says, is it Carlos that should be credited for the changes to how players are discovered? If no, wouldn't the credit for the summer signings be better placed with Garth because he implemented those changes? That was the conversation that I was aiming to have with my previous note. If it doesn't work for your broadcast, no worries. Again, this goes to the first one of these, and that if you're going to blame Carlos for the previous regime, but give Garth credit for this regime, why aren't you blaming Darren for the previous regime? Um, Atlanta had the resources, chose not to maybe use them as deeply with statistical scouting and data analysis as they are now. That's not Carlos's fault. That would have been Darren's fault. Um, And now Carlos is trying to take advantage of one of the things that Garth likes. So there you go. All right. I want to remind you to tell your friend or friends about our show, and please give us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. That's what helps us grow the podcast. The team is off next week. Um, I'll probably come back uh, when I get done with my vacation as if it wasn't hard work enough solving all of the world's problems. But with a Tuesday podcast wrapping up Dallas and kind of maybe looking ahead at the rest of the season, if you want to give me some questions about the rest of the season, email me at drobertson at ajc.com. Call in to the voicemail line. Fill it up. If you can, DM me on Twitter or X or whatever the heck it's called now do so as always hug your loved ones communicate with your loved ones have a safe labor day thanks for listening to southern fried soccer from the atlanta journal constitution
1: ocean breeze tropical beach pina colada you can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise or better yet